1: I too, Billy! And you book a match with me! That's right, Look at me! I'm a total package! I will rip him apart! I'm
0: pissed now! Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts! On ad-free shows and ATC.
2: Welcome everyone to Wrestle Roasts. I'm your host this week, Robert Carpolis, and I am joined, as almost always, by Dan St Germain and Scott Chaplin. Dan on location in Pittsburgh. How are you?
0: I'm good, man. I'm opening for Iwana Glazer tonight. Anyone of you in Buffalo? I've been I've been in Buffalo a few times this year. I'm going to be uh, opening for her tomorrow night. So check that out. I think it's University of Buffalo. So,
2: by the way, in case you're listening to this at any other point in time, Dan, you want to give a date of when that tomorrow might
0: be? Oh, oh yeah. So this is going to be uh, July 14th. July Friday, four- July 14th. But next weekend, I will be in Wilkes-Barre, Mohican Sun in Pennsylvania, which is uh, July uh, 21st and 22nd. And then I'll be opening for Dan Soder on a Florida run, July 26th through uh, 29th, Tampa. And then... uh, where the fuck else? Some other Floridian city. <laughs> I'll pull it up in a second.
2: But Well, geez, it's not uh, like I live in Florida I and would know. have known where you're going to be.
0: Fort that's it. Fort oh, what the fuck? You're coming down here Fort and you didn't even Waterdale. tell me? I just found out like a day ago. I forgot. I, I didn't know Fort Waterdale was near. Uh, wait, I'm going to be in Dania Beach. The Dania Beach Improv. Is that the same? Yeah, that's, not, Fort not, that's right? not that far. That's like an hour, 45 right, minutes away from me. We're going to hang out. Well, are, gonna, are we going to hang out?
2: Uh, when is this?
0: This is the end of Jul- the end of July, not next week or the week after. Two weeks.
2: Let me know what the date is, and uh, we may be able to make this. This is how we talk, guys. We don't actually like our text threads are primarily just like, "Hey, here's this wacky video of Chris Jericho." But to actually socialize with one another, this is how we find out what's going on in our lives. Scott, how are I mean, you I'm doing? The
0: oh, sorry, Dan still Look up Dan Soder.
2: <laughs> Dan Soder needs Whatever. the needs the Russell
0: Rose lift. Um <laughs> yeah, for sure. When I'm not writing Stone Cold Law with Sodor, you guys can uh come you can come check us out.
2: All right. Scott, where 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 are you in the world right now?
1: So, oh man, I'm all right. You know, after the fire and the death of the wife and kids. Um <laughs> I'm just excited to, you know, get back into rewatching wrestling.
2: <laughs> nice. So yeah, Scott's calling us from a car where he's
0: currently living. Uh, no, I'm sure yeah, dude, I'm
1: like have a nice day, Nick Foley, right now.
0: That's- yeah or will jo- Smith's pursuit of happiness yeah if you join
1: the patreon i will be fully as good mick foley <laughs> But right now, I'm have a nice day, Mick Foley.
2: Speaking of the Patreon, since I'm hosting and not Dan, I'll do the whoring at the top of the show this weekend. If you are a member of the five dollar Patreon tier, Dan, <laughs> Scott, and I are going to be watching Great American Bash 1996. Even though we almost told Scott we were watching Bash at the Beach '96 to make him watch it for a third time, uh, if you're at the <laughs> If you're at the $10 tier something to sports entertainment with, I'll be breaking down raw and probably do a bonus one for SmackDown like I did last week. Uh that's it. That's all that's all the plugs and whoring that we're gonna do. are getting right to we've got a stacked show for you today. We got two roasts for you since we've uh we we've gone a couple weeks of that roast. We are roasting Sable and Mabel. Uh we've also got Dynamite or Dud, High Spot, Low Spot, all the all the stuff you've grown to politely tolerate here on Wrestle Roasts. Uh, But we will start with uh, the 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 headliner uh, of this year, which is uh, Sable. Sable is uh, our our first roast subject of the day. Uh, I would say one of the most iconic women in the history of professional wrestling. And uh, we'll start. You've never listened to the show before. I don't know why you're picking now, but we're happy to have you. Uh, we do a bright side, then we do the roast. It just seems nicer when we just you know kick the shit out of them. So uh, Dan, you want to start with the bright side of
0: Sable? Sure. I want to apologize because I think everyone's going to be a little patchy on this. We're all. I'm from Pitts. I'm in Pittsburgh. Roberts in Florida. He's breaking up little Scott somewhere in the woods of New Jersey in the Pine Barrens. So
1: this all sounds very
0: good to me. I'm liking how this
1: sounds. It sounds sure.
2: fine. Dan Dan just it got. it. sounds fired. like
1: I'm, this sounds like Sable's reception.
0: Yes. Yeah, well I I, I, I mean you know, just in case it's a little spotty. I just wanted to say that up front. But um ladies and gentlemen, uh do you need some towels? I don't know. Yeah, I don't think we be- any. I don't think All right, That's uh my boss for the evening uh, just walked in. She uh briefly uh graced us with her presence. Um yes, yeah, so uh Sable man, I think Sable you know, bright side. She was integral to the attitude era I don't I think that like you know you need look I I do think that the attitude era could have used some you know more women who knew how to actually wrestle and Sable definitely does not qualify for that but she is you know she's everything you know the Nitro girls are trying to be she was you know super hot she was uh she didn't you know she was a draw whether or not anyone wants to admit it um and, you know, kayfabe accomplishment, former women's champ, two-time Slammy Award winner. Um, I think that Sable's story is, you know, she got everything from wrestling, then left, then came back, and in a way, got everything from wrestling again. So, you know, I I I, I do have respect for her kind of business acumen, acumen, you know, and, and she does have a little bit of that, the warrior, where it's like kind of like a, a crazy you know, flash in the pan and and you can bitch about them all they want, but they were, uh, you know, you can't tell the story of professional wrestling and especially the attitude era without mentioning Sable. So I think that that, that, that's the biggest bright side.
1: Scott. To me, what Sable was right. And I could be wrong. You guys are better wrestling historians than me, but it felt like every female on tell on wrestling television before her was like, ah i'll bite your dick off like they were like aggressive crazy women
0: yep scott is being being Scott dragged. scott's getting his dick
2: bitten off by sensational sherry right now oh i'm gone no you're back you you vanished for a minute the ghost of miss elizabeth came after you but you're back
1: yeah this is going to be a lot of lesnar trying to interrupt this you know up on the towers messing yeah. with the uh satellites
0: yeah, he's got a right now, he's 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 got a scope set on his chaplain, so no,
1: but to me, Sable was the first like sex um symbol of wrestling, and at least when it comes to females. I'm sure you know all the dudes were sex symbols, but
0: yeah, she was the first female, like, oh my god, right or wrong. Right. Oh no, I we thought you had disappeared again at the deck. Um, I I I mean, no, i for me, Sonny was, but she definitely fit that more. And I mean, her playboy is still like, I think her playboy is like the third highest selling playboy in history. And, you know, when you think of like, you know, Pam Anderson, and then like, even like people that were kind of like gimmicky that you'd think would pop like a genie bus or something like that, you know, like it's pretty impressive that she's number three and it, it shows you how hot it was at the time. And, 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 you know, this is an era where it was harder to just Google image, you know, a bunch of girls in bikinis, you know, you couldn't do that. And, uh, it was just, it was harder to get, you know, sexy time stuff. If you were a teenage boy, let's, let's be perfectly honest. Yeah. You kind of deep
3: fake a woman.
0: Yeah. 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 And she, um, you know, she was, she, she, she was that man. I mean, she, she filled that, that need. And then there was a need at the time for it.
2: Scott, anything else you want to add about Sable?
1: Uh no, good woman. I'm 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 glad she doesn't come around. And I hope it's her choice and not Brock's.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I think she uh as far as debuts uh or why she wound up in the business, has one of the best entry stories of all time when she went with Marrow to go meet with Vince and Jim Ross. And after uh they after they left. Vince calls Jim Ross immediately and he's like, holy shit, did you see what I saw? And it's probably the reason Mark Marrow got the job he did in WWE. Uh, She became a major icon for the, for the company. They, they made her a a household name. They made her a huge superstar in a way they really didn't get to do with Sonny. And they created that machine that brought in a lot of, uh, women from different walks of life who had not necessarily been interested in wrestling. Uh, but it's, you know, it's how you pull in the Bella twins. It's how you pulled in a lot of the uh, Trish Stratus. They see, wow, this woman became wildly famous and successful. Uh, that's a path that I want to follow and kind of help grow that, that piece of the industry. She wasn't a good wrestler. She tried to learn some stuff, which is admirable. Uh, she, she left initially under questionable circumstances. She came back when she realized it's tough to be famous on your own, uh, and, uh, kind of left on her own terms the second time in a slightly more positive way. Uh, I think that her not coming back since then is probably cause Brock has her chain to a radiator, but, uh, you know, she's, she's someone who, but at you,
0: least she's warm guys,
2: at least she's, at least she's being kept warm. And kept far, far away from Vince in this post NDA era. Uh, so uh, let's start with the roast of Sable, uh, where Dan. Yeah, I kind of
0: combined all my jokes. I was, can we do bright side of Mabel first? Oh, fair. Yeah, yeah. I kind of, I kind of jumped, jumped around with mine as well. Yeah. Great.
2: That's exactly what I had planned. I don't know what the fuck's going on, guys. I'm just,
1: <laughs> I'm just
2: directing traffic. Uh, so we'll move on to the bright side of Mabel. <laughs> um, because this is just running smoothly here uh scott you seem like a huge mabel fan what what's your take on mabel or viscera or big daddy v
1: brother i'll tell you this much i remember being a child and having friends over at a sleepover it was uh maybe it was wrestlemania 17 was that a hardcore match that viscera was in he gets hit in the head with a um with a with a gumball machine, right? Anyway, my friends were genuinely freaked out by him. I remember one specifically, you know how like you, at every sleepover as a child, you found out which friend was like the biggest pussy, you know, which one was like genuinely still afraid of shit. And this friend was petrified of viscera. And it makes sense, man. He is a giant man. Um, those contacts are scary. The hair is scary um yeah man he's a goddamn mutant he looks like a villain out of a comic book he looks like if kingpin was attacked by venom you know and so in that regard i really like i loved viscera um then i received a bunch of vhs tapes from an uncle of mine and they had a lot of mabel on it and i didn't know what the fuck was going on i didn't know how anybody could look at viscera and not think about Mabel. I don't know how a character that large could ever be put in purple in the first place. Um, And then I remember Big Daddy V, and I thought that was like a big fail. Because again, I was such... Because of seeing Viscera, and you know, like that Undertaker Ministry of Darkness Viscera, which visually is such a compelling character, everything else is such a fail in my opinion. Uh, But it turns out he's also like very reckless in the ring. But goddamn, what a visual wrestling character
0: dan dan yeah i i, I think that the, <laughs> N- nelson frazier's big story mabel's big the t- you know when i was a kid i did like men on a mission and I'll, I'll say that um you know K. favorite costumes he was an all japan tag team champion he was a hardcore champion a wb tag team <laughs> champion for like two days when they beat the quebecers he was a king of the ring and he got this cool ass king of the ring title um I, I think that Mabel, you know, and, and this sounds like a fucking slight, but it's it's really not. You know, he was he was a guy for one summer who was getting pushed to the moon. You know, Vince needed a new Yokozuna, so he wanted to do, you know, his version, I guess, of like, you know, gangsta rap Yokozuna. Um, he was very reckless in the ring. He fucked up Diesel. He fucked up Undertaker he got fired eventually or got let go. And then he came back and he was at the bottom of the card and he should have been at the bottom of the card, especially at that time. But I never heard any complaints about like when he came back from the attitude era from then, I, you know, him leaving, I guess right before the reality era. So he kind of, you know, he, he kind of bridged that attitude Era ruthless aggression gap. Um, I, I never heard any complaints about him. I mean, I've heard from everybody. He was a super nice guy backstage um you know I think he just did business I think he's one of these guys who you know probably I, I never heard that he injured anybody after that um so I think he's one of these guys that you know kind of learned from his mistakes and yeah he uh, you know I don't really have much to say about him as a wrestler because a lot of it was dog shit um but you know as a work as a guy who's like works for a company you know as a guy who like like you know has some humility and comes back and was never pushed the same way again. You know, I I think that there there is something to say to that. So That's my bright side for Mabel, aka Viscera, aka Nelson Fraser. All
2: right. Uh I think when you look at him there's there's kind of like four acts in the in the career of of Mabel Viscera. When he was Mabel with Men on a Mission, that was popular uh initially. I mean the the crowd, it was Vince kind of trying to do uh. Uh, a hip hop act, the crowd definitely liked it. They were doing the, the wave in the hands and all that nonsense. Um, his his King Mabel run, if that didn't happen, I don't know that we really would have gotten the Attitude Era. That was where he won that, that uh, King of the Ring and then wrestled Diesel and the crowd just chanted ECW the whole time and really clued Vince in on what else is out there and why is the audience not connecting with what I'm putting on. Uh, when he came back,
0: was terrible. I don't know if you've ever seen that oh, match, it's,
2: it's brutal. I'm, I was a huge diesel mark, so I hated Mabel for derailing his career a lot. Uh, with how bad that match was. Um, his return as Viscera was it worked in the same way that they...
0: diesel had a word, and, and, and if it. Make... No, I'm sorry to interrupt. I said, and then Diesel had a worse match with Bulldog after that. He had like two epically bad matches in a row.
2: He did. Um, But, you know, he was great and then retired and we never saw him again. Uh, The guy that went to WCW, totally different person. Um, That's how I partition these things in my brain. But uh, when (laughs) he, he comes back as Viscera or they turned with Viscera. It worked as the big heavy. It was memorable for Scott. When he came back the third time I was at WWE, when we had him in like the pajamas and he was like the big sex machine or whatever. Uh, super nice guy. One of the nicest people you'd ever meet. Uh, very humble, very, you know, quiet, soft-spoken dude. Uh, just loved being a part of, of wrestling. You know, the big daddy V thing definitely didn't work. Um, but, uh, you know, they tried an ECW in the same way they tried with test and they tried with hardcore Holly and they tried to repackage a bunch of people. And, uh, you know, let's, let's tear these guys apart. Uh, Dan, since we don't know how long you're going to be able to stick with us before you have to go do your night gig, uh, we'll let you start with the roasts of Sable and Mabel.
0: I do think after this, even before dynamite, we just, we actually just got a text from Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna touch stuff. on that. Yeah, I mean, we have two big news stories, guys. Two big. I, I'm sure you can guess what the other one is. A, a huge wrestling. Oh wait, I'm story. driving, so I can't read the text. That's exciting. Well, we'll yeah, we'll, we'll read. We'll read it. But um, here's my. Uh, here's the roast of Sable and Mabel. The roast of Sable and Mabel, aka the four greatest tits in wrestling history.
3: <laughs> King Mabel.
0: King Mabel is what would happen if Notorious Big's mom fucked Grimace if it weren't for men on a mission where would the acclaimed be the answer the same or better (laughs) mabel mabel to viscera the greatest transformation in sports entertainment since superman to chris reeve after horse friday oh oh my god viscera was a viscera was a member of the ministry of darkness which was undertaker stable and not pastors that pray for rampage (laughs) The only reason Vince made Mabel and Midian a team was to show that black people and white people can't work together. (laughs) I think Sable's hot, but I'll never forgive her for Mark Merrow's speaking career. (laughs) (laughs) Without Sable, where would we be as a wrestling fan besides respecting women sooner? everyone everyone talks about Sable being on the cover of Playboy three times but nobody talks about Mabel's appearances in Nubian jugs quarterly <laughs> it's hard to take it's hard to take Sable's sexual harassment suit seriously when she ends up marrying someone created by a men's rights activist group blowing a magic flute uh Sable was as popular backstage as a drug test they gave Mabel- <laughs> They gave Mabel a belt for King of the Ring in hopes he would finally use one. For one night in ECW, Viscera joined the full-blooded Italians, a fact that haunts Mike Racine to this day. (laughs) They called him the uh, world's largest love machine because Robert's mom mom forgot to trademark it. hey (laughs) yo! Finally, he came back to WWE with a dyed blonde mohawk uh, they called him Dem Malicious Man. Instead of de- all right, the last one I really ended on a fart, guys. Uh, but those are my, those are my uh, Midian and uh, I'm sorry, not even my Midian. My <laughs> Midian oh my jokes. god! Yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> Your Midian jokes.
0: It's really hard for me to separate Mabel from Midian. They 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 really occupy <laughs> the same place. They look completely different, completely different gimmicks. But man, are they similar in so many ways.
2: All right, Scott.
1: All right, here we go. Sable and Mabel. Uh not only do their names rhyme, but they hope they both haven't been out in the sun since
3: 2014. <laughs> um if,
1: <laughs> if if uh if Mabel and Sable had a kid, it would be called disabled. <laughs> uh um he dressed like he listens to the cure while doctor told doctors told him there wasn't one. <laughs> oh my god. Mr. looks like if Bowser never touched a peach. <laughs> Rather looks like a storm cloud. Uh, obviously both known for having giant tits, Uh, Sable from puppies to guard dogs. (laughs) Uh, Viscera's first uh, ring name was Nelson Knight uh, after Mandela and his skin color. (laughs) Brock wanted to date Pamela Anderson, but when they got to the and in her last name, he started getting jealous. Pamela and Erson? Who the fuck is Erson? And Erson? That's a good one, guys. (laughs) According to his wife, Mabel had type 2 diabetes. According to her husband, Sable has one type, and that type is Brock (laughs) Lesnar. Uh... Mabel, uh he was cremated after all the cream he ate. <laughs> Jesus
0: Christ. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, that's, uh, that's the winner. That's, just, that's the MVP joke. Maybe of the year.
1: Yeah, maybe, maybe. And finally, uh Vissera weighed in at 487 pounds. Uh, that is also the amount of days it's been since Sable was last seen in public. <laughs> um.
0: Or Sable,
2: send help. All right. Uh, the roast of Sable and Mabel. Uh, today we are roasting someone who proved that all you need to succeed in wrestling is a great set of tits, but enough about Mabel.
3: <laughs>
2: she was born Rena Creek, which somehow sounds more like a made-up porn star name than Sable.
3: <laughs>
2: Sable was the first WWE diva to appear in Playboy, which was a big deal. For you younger listeners, the idea of looking at a naked woman in a magazine is like using hieroglyphics to jerk off.
3: <laughs>
2: Rena married Mark Marrow because once you go blackish, you realize you could do better. <laughs> Rena is the only person to have pinned Brock Lesnar without having to pay him a six figure salary.
3: <laughs>
2: Sable debuted as Triple H's valet before he moved on to China. So that tells you everything you need to know about the size of Rena's clit.
0: Oh Jesus!
2: <laughs> Rena's uh, finishing move was called the Sable Bomb, which makes her plastic surgeon Robert Oppenheimer.
3: <laughs>
2: Sable once came to the ring in a Sable once came to the ring in a burlap sack, which was the height of fashion for Conrad Thompson's mom. We wonder why we're not on ad-free <laughs> shows every <laughs> week. Uh, Sable Sable removed the sack to reveal handprints over her breasts. Little known fact, those handprints were put there by Pat Patterson, who, when he was done, said, yucky. (laughs) Sean Waltman admitted to shitting in Sable's bag. She knew it was him because the turd was radiating X-Pac heat. It's my Scott joke. I don't care. (laughs) I liked it. Uh, Sable came back to the WWE in 2003, where she played Vince's mistress and feuded with Stephanie McMahon, who was jealous of not getting to be Vince's mistress. (laughs) Sable is currently married to Brock Lesnar, who we have nothing but the utmost respect for, and I will not make any jokes about him. Uh, She was originally married to a man named Wayne Richardson. Wayne died in a drunk driving accident which sparked Sable's feud with Sonny. (laughs) Uh, Mabel was part of Men on a Mission before they became Men on (laughs) Ozempic. Men on a Mission consisted of Mo, Oscar, and Mabel, and no Jim Ross couldn't tell any of them apart. (laughs) He wrestled as Big Daddy V, which is what John Laurinaitis has to call Vince McMahon. <laughs> Mabel won the King of the Ring and was the worst monarch the WWE dealt with until the Saudi royal family, though the only thing Mabel killed was Diesel's push.
3: <laughs>
2: he did a one-night appearance in ECW as a member of the full blood Italians, mainly because his veins are filled with marinara sauce. <laughs> Viscera... <laughs> Viscera sounds like the name of the heart condition that killed him. (laughs) (laughs) Mabel's widow tried to sue the WWE, claiming his death was related to CTE. Her argument was that repeated blows to the head made him think that weighing 500 pounds wouldn't give him a fucking heart attack.
0: <laughs> oh man that was awesome
2: and finally oh, the one. Yeah. when asked for comment Bret Hart said his heart attack was made more devastating than anything that could have killed Mabel
0: <laughs> that's true
2: alright the roast <laughs> of Sable down. and Mabel that was
0: that was nice really good jokes I, I love it that our internet is the heart, the worst when we finally bring some good fucking roast jokes uh,
2: it happens but uh, uh well, this is what happens when Dan's recording in a bunker in Pittsburgh to hide from Brock.
0: Is, yeah, that's true. Um, you you I don't know who's breaking up more, but um let's uh let's get into this before dynamite or dud, and I'll let you guys do a dynamite or dud because I think I may be screwing up the connection here. Um and I didn't see dynamite, but uh here here here's this is we just got this from Mike Lawrence. There's new rules in AEW, and I'm I'm wondering if this has to do with the fact they landed a swimming deal. That seems that seems to be the the, the, the most logical thing, but he, here here they are. Um as per fightful, the following has been banned in AEW. Unprotected chair shots to the head, shots to the back of the head, buckle bombs, blind moves that are backwards into turnbuckle, fencing responses, seizure cells, spitting. Bleeding in the crowd, and uh, don't throw objects with blood into the crowd. So, ladies and gentlemen, AEW is now WWE. (laughs)
1: No, you know what this means, boys. What? This means means CM Punk's buddy is about to make his in-ring debut, brothers. (laughs) This means the dog is off his leash, dude. If they're saying you can't hit a man in the head with a chair... This means a Steel is back. <laughs> By the way, he, do you really need
2: a, a memo and a global company to tell you if you're bleeding, maybe don't go into a crowd of paying customers? Like, some of these are a little, like, don't throw objects with blood into the crowd. Like, even... Fucking like Cornet would have had these rules back in the day in between women, you know, guys fucking his wife. But like some of these, I get it. You don't want you don't want unprotected chair shots because you don't want to open up yourself up to a lawsuit. But some of these, I'm shocked that they previously they were okay with uh, you know, spitting on people in the crowd. Probably not a great idea, but what do I know?
1: Yeah. Hey, you ready? Um what if they make all these rules? Just so when they break them, we think the altercation is real between whoever the altercation is between. My guess, uh, CM Punk, FTR, the Bucks, and Kenny. We're talking chair shots to the head. We're talking blood on the crowd.
0: What say you guys? Especially ahead of a thing like Blood and Guts. Uh, yeah, I mean, that. I just realized that, that yeah, that's happening. Well, uh, they're still bleeding. You're still on to bleed. Um, yeah,
1: that's why all of this also, also seems to make sense. There should be a Darby Allen rule. There should be like if you weigh 98 pounds, can you still um swing a skateboard at a skull? You know. Right. Hey
0: guys, I gotta get here, out of here. Um no, then rest in peace, Mantar. Uh I'm a I'm a verified Mantard. Uh I I, I, <laughs> I I love you, Mantar. Uh you guys have a great rest of the episode. Bye. Check out a couple, July twenty seventh, new podcast Thing.
2: all right he's gone so now when you go now back to listen, well it. now when you go back and listen to this and every third word dan said was like garbled up and he's like you guys are all breaking up We're like yeah because you're on pittsburgh internet
1: like,
2: uh, I, wait am i
1: not bad i'm i don't sound bad
2: no you sound fine you sound like you're calling in on a phone which sounds better than like oh. Meltzer most of the time anyway
1: that's a fact okay,
2: you know Dan, dan's worried about like audio purity of the show as if people are listening to this solely to to, to hear the pristine sound of our voices versus yeah our, yeah our our hot takes on commander matches which is our segue into dynamite or dud <laughs> scott how excited are you to talk about dynamite from uh september Dude, I've been... july july 12th what the fuck month are we in
1: yeah, it's July, but I get it. It did feel a little like going back to school,
2: dude. This was uh, they they no Dan just texted in. Sorry for my technical nightmare there. Uh, I think I think, we'll, I I think we'll all forgive him. Uh, we had a second and a half cameo from Alana Glazer, who's theoretically the most famous person we've had on the podcast. Uh, except yeah, for no, Dan, well, Dan Soder was on once, so I guess that counts <laughs> for for a minute. Actually, he wasn't. Randy Savage was on, who sounded suspiciously <laughs> yeah. like Dan Soder. Um, yep. Yeah. But uh yeah let's let's talk uh well let's get through Dynamite uh which was uh an episode of uh of TV I think we could both agree there uh some good some really fucking bizarre uh we'll 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 break this down uh, segment by segment rather than trying to do the whole hour thing cuz I'm sure you don't have notes in front of you Scott
1: No but yeah I don't I would love to go segment by segment yeah. we opened with Commander versus Chris Jericho which I will say this I get hyped when Jericho fights these legion doors because, and it's also the intention. It brings you back to cruiserweight Jericho, right? Lionheart Chris Jericho. And uh, he has been able to pull that out of his hat. And it typically works when he, you know, he fights a bandito uh, or a guy, you know, uh, you're not really expecting, but commander has this thing about him while I do really like him. Now, have you ever worked with commander Robert?
2: Never worked with Commander, no. Would not have tolerated this shit.
1: I think he's... He might be super young. I could be wrong. He's much younger than we think he is. But he comes off like he's like... uh, It's not about his facial hair. I go like, you're a 45-year-old white guy. And I know he's not. He's 24. He's a 24-year-old Hispanic man, I would assume. But he just feels like a 52-year-old... like, really excited about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame type of guy. So when Jericho fights him, you go, oh, this is like Jericho and his buddy wrestling in their pool, and it doesn't feel like a luchador, mask that, a luchador match that you want. And I saw Commander Live, and he was great. But I'm telling you, there's this thing, and I think it's his facial hair, where you go, is this my dad's friend?
2: Well, it's his facial hair combined with he's not very good at wrestling. Um, I think, mm. no, here's, uh, uh, here's the problem with, with commander or the issue with commander, not a problem. He does some of the high spot stuff really, really well when it works, but you see the mechanics of everything he's doing. Like he's constantly thinking and overthinking. There were pauses throughout this match. Like there was one point where he was just to go charge at Jericho and Jericho had to kind of give him the look of like reminding him like, Oh shit, you're supposed to come run at me. Like, the guy just – he he's good at certain things. He's not good at everything. And when you're in there with a guy like Jericho, you really see it.
1: For sure. Jericho's going to slow you down. Uh, and if all you have is running really fast on ropes, rather you're going to trip in a Jericho match. <laughs>
2: also, I thought it was weird that he did the, the jump off the top rope and Jericho caught him with the code breaker. And he kicked out like I don't think commanders, a guy who should be able to kick out of what looked like a pretty devastating move.
1: Yeah. Every time things like that happen, I go, oh, in their heads, they thought they had this move planned and they thought this was going to be going way better than it is.
2: Yeah. And there's a couple of times where a commander would hit something and then like celebrate in a way that didn't feel like the character celebrating, it felt like he was like, oh, thank God, I didn't just break Chris Jericho's neck right there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So after the match, Don Callis comes out to again remind Jericho that, you know, you can join his Vin Diesel family. Uh, And they play what was a pretty cool little clip of Don and Jericho and Bad News Allen from 1995, uh, which if you ever listened, I don't know, Scott, if you ever listened to Don's, Don had a podcast with Lance Storm. Uh, called Killing the Town, and they would tell all these yeah. stories. And it was it was cool to see the visual because he always talked about like our relationship with bad news and how important this was. And I always loved bad news from the stuff that I saw him in WWF. And this was a nice little bit of storytelling of like, we have a real history. We're showing you that real history. And here's why you and I should be together.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh Joe- yeah man, I, I like this. And I think um You know, for me, and I haven't said this enough on the podcast, maybe I have, but, you know, that killing, it was called Killing the Town? Is that what it was called? Killing the Town, yeah. So, you, you know about Lance Storm being hired by New Japan for, like, a minute to do color commentary because they told New Japan to hire Don Callis as color commentary, and they looked up the podcast and just hired the most famous guy from the podcast, and it was Lance. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But Don Callis on commentary in New Japan, brother, him and Kevin Kelly, that's like one of my favorite commentary teams of all time. And part of that, that history, is Tim referencing guys like Jericho and stuff. And, I mean, gosh, once Jericho showed up in New Japan, that was all facilitated by Callis. Uh, so it does feel, you know, like legitimate in terms of me watching it. I don't know how uh, any other viewer feels watching it. I am intrigued by Don Callis having a faction because uh, I think it'll be funny.
2: Uh, we'll see. And I, as long I, as
1: it's good wrestlers, I don't care. And as long as it makes Jericho appreciate,
2: I don't know if it'll make the Jericho Appreciation Society go away. But th- that thing has been sort of a. a I don't care. The Jericho Appreciation Society was kind of a a huge bust, and I think we're we're continuing to learn that. Uh, what was not a huge bust. Uh, Jungle Boy shows up in his car. Cook sneaks in the other side of the car to go beat him up, and Jungle Boy runs away. And if I just get thirty seconds of Jungle Boy and nothing more, I'm super happy with that. All right, I don't know if Scott dropped or not, but uh, I'm just gonna keep going with uh with Dynamite. Uh, we got the uh the Adam Cole MJF segment. Uh, this was a a pre tape. Jericho and Cole at a bar, uh, trying to trying to bond, and uh, Chris Jericho picks up some uh, some young ladies. Uh, Adam Cole says, "No, no, I'm with Britt Baker. You go have fun." And I guess MJF goes off and and sleeps with all four of them. And then he's like, "All right, buddy, now it's your turn. What do you what do you want to do?" And uh, Adam Cole picks video games. So Cole and MJF play the new Fight Forever video game. Which was uh, a nice little product tie-in. I will, I will definitely give them that. There was the little line of Jericho saying, "like," or sorry, of MJF saying, uh, "Hey, this is fun playing with someone else because I don't really have any friends. I don't get to play with anybody." Uh, It was goofy. It was funny. I still think it's too mid-cardy for the world champion, but these guys are executing it really, really well.
1: Yeah. Okay. So can you hear me? Because I can hear you. brother aren't they are doing such a good job um it shows how talented they are that they're able to pull off these little moments i think it's hilarious that ftr was in the game they played um is that going to happen for fans soon who who bought the video the actual video game
2: i think they're downloadable at some point or they will be downloadable. okay okay
1: well i love that they showed them here i thought that was very funny I love the little nuances, man. Uh, this has worked the entire time. I've honestly liked this tournament a lot. And this isn't saying much, but of all the tournaments in AEW, this might be the most effective in terms of me actually kind of giving a shit.
2: I think it's just because these guys are, are fun. And we'll get we'll get to the match in a little bit, but I think just this pre-tape, the segment, it's uh it, it's it's funny. Uh so it works. Uh we get a uh Darby Allen and Orange Cassidy versus Sammy Guevara and Danny Garcia match uh that uh, the heels win when Swerve interferes and takes out Darby uh I thought the match itself was it was fun it was fast paced it it generally worked the whole Sammy potentially being a babyface thing because of Darby still feels dumb but yeah to your point Darby and Orange Cassidy is a fun tag team Sammy and you know Danny Garcia were forwarding that storyline and We'll get an interesting uh, final.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
2: Uh, they do a nice Nick Wayne video package. Look for all the guy, all the times I constantly criticize them that they don't do enough to introduce new guys. They're certainly giving you a lot of the backstory of Nick Wayne. They're making you care about this guy and making him feel, uh, m- perhaps, a little more important than he might actually be. But it's a it's a good little piece of storytelling. Scott, what did you think? Yeah, of Nick- I
1: love these video packages. I I, I mean, the first time I saw one of the Nick Wayne video packages was last week. And that makes me think it was the first time they did one, right? I think they should have been a little longer. I I was kind of bummed out that they show a video and now he's just here. Um, I think a month worth of video is fun. I say this as a, as a kid growing up. And one of my only favorite things about WWE was that they got you hyped about a debut. And yeah, that debut could have sucked, but the month leading up to it you thought God was going to show up.
2: Yeah, that is true. Uh and the only thing I know about, you know, Buddy Wayne was that he's the guy who trained Brian Alvarez. So, this oh, no. is a well,
1: don't tell anybody that.
2: So say, this is a redemption for the legacy of Buddy Wayne. Uh we then get uh Adam Cole in the back with uh Roderick Strong and Roderick Strong may be unintentionally the funniest thing on television the whole like you're you're not you're not really you're not really friends with with max right while he's wearing a neck brace like they have to be fully in on the joke otherwise this dude is just fucking lost at sea
1: yeah this is also he can mjf is obviously ruining all of adam's relationships right
2: he's trying to but again i think the payoff is that cole's in on the joke but We'll see uh, what they yeah. we'll, we'll see what they wind up doing. uh, we do get Big Bill and Brian Cage against m j f. and Adam Cole, and this was so this was like, i'm sober I made up a word. This was super fun.
1: It was, man. I had a blast watching this i I thought it went a little too long, and then thinking back, I was glad it did. I remember sitting there going, man these this entrance is long." And then you go, oh, wait, no, this entrance is a part of the story. This entrance might as well be a segment, um, both of them doing the boom, all that shit. It's just so funny, so dumb.
2: No, it was definitely dumb. It was definitely fun. Uh, I thought it was uh, it was solid honestly.
1: this is how guys like Adam Cole and MJ should wrestle more of the time, which is sort of outsmarting people,
2: yeah. I, this this felt the most in character we've seen. Adam Cole which is kind of a criticism we always have that he tries to wrestle like he's a big guy as opposed to wrestling the, the way that he should. Uh the post match promo with the two of them I thought was definitely you know it was funny as well. The crowd was super into it. Uh Max is having fun as the fake babyface. This was uh this was good. Uh we got Jake Hager character development Scott. He uh he gives Chris Jericho his hat. Because he thinks, like, this is the end of the Jericho Appreciation Society. Uh, Did you feel significant emotion over J.K. giving up his hat? Dude, this shit was wildly bad, man. Wow. So you you don't love his hat?
1: You know, I just think he's like, like, uh, I mean, whoever sold anybody on Jake Hager, man, is a... Well I think
2: here's the the defense for Jake Hager. Is, when was this working out?
1: He's the Jake he's, Hager experiment because he's
2: big. He's he's a big tall amateur wrestler. He's got a look. If you ever stand next to him, he's physically imposing and you're like we could do something with this guy. And every time they try, it's just kind of there. It never really fully connects. And I think that's kind of the the lesson that Jericho and uh, Tony Khan are learning now that WWE learned uh, for years we get uh, the next Owen Hart tournament match uh, it's uh, Sky Blue versus uh, Ruby Soho this was uh, this was a match it happened on yeah, TV, TV and nobody legitimately got hurt how's that for a positive Scott yeah man It's the best we're going to get out of that, man. We get uh, QT Marshall introducing a Harley Cameron rap video, which boggled my mind that this is a thing that happened on TV simply because the gag when you are the heel is you're supposed to be bad at what you're doing, and she was not bad at rapping, which made this whole segment mind-boggling.
1: Yeah. It's like when someone has a good voice at karaoke, you go, that's not what karaoke supposed to be. You, you just ruined it. You ruined the, the our good night. Uh, yeah. I thought she, it was too well executed. And so it wasn't funny. It was just uncomfortable. Cause it, it's not, it's not good, but it's good enough. And it's supposed to be bad.
2: It's definitely not bad for what this should have been. This should have been like Jillian yes. Hall who can't sing. Uh, yes,
1: they should have been her fucking up in every little scene. Um, but now we just have a legitimate rap battle, and it's just like it's more cringe than it is. Um, obviously something we're supposed to be enjoying and laughing at.
2: Speaking of cringe, we get Swerve versus Nick Wayne. Um, the weird thing here is earlier on in the show, you have Chris Jericho versus Commander, where it's the small upstart trying to beat an established superstar. Uh, and then you basically do a version of the exact same match later on in the same broadcast, which didn't make a hell of a lot of sense to me. Uh, Nick Wayne uh, has wrestled swerve twice as Excalibur pointed out. So any semblance of this being novel or unique or interesting goes out the window. Cause Excalibur's like, these guys have wrestled twice and each beat each other once. Well, we've never seen it. Hasn't happened on TV. Why are you telling us that? Uh, And then the match was okay. Um, I think Swerve is great. We'll see on Nick Wayne. But then again, Nick Wayne can retreat back into, like, action and ready land, and we just never see him.
1: Yeah, I I don't think that will happen with Nick Wayne. But I will say this about him. When you hype him as such a young guy, you know, your brain, in terms of being told a story your whole life, you're picturing, you know, a kid coming out. And he is a kid, sure, but he's bigger than like almost everybody on the roster. And, you know, I love this roster and I don't knock their size ever, but he's fucking taller than Swerve. In my opinion, if you're going to debut the youngest man on the roster, who's a kid, who who is going to have an upward battle, you know, make him face a big guy.
2: Yeah, that would have made a little more sense. But I guess they were trying to tell (laughs) the Darby Swerve story a little bit, but
1: sure sure and 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 look i i like i like a lot of stories piled on top of each other i really don't mind that and i like that they are telling the darby and swerve story uh it's just there were moments in this match where i was like oh damn nick wayne is going to be something i I mean i really think he's going to be really special but it's not because he's this kid who's going to be able to do high flying shit like it's because he is a he's going to be a hard hitter, you know. I, I think he's going to become like a uh, an osprey type, where you go, "Oh wow, he can really go." And I don't think him trying to fly around when he looks like he's six foot one uh, was the right move. Maybe I'm wrong. That's silly. Maybe.
2: No, I don't disagree. He I think
1: he's he seems super adult, man. He just really did. He looks older
2: and more distinguished than like Hook. Which is probably yeah,
1: man. Then a lot of yeah, then a lot of these guys, even Jungle Boy, right? So it's almost yeah, um, or at least tougher. Can I say t- he looks tougher than most, dude?
2: There's a there's a grit to him, uh, from the mean streets of Seattle. Uh, the, yeah, the here we go. The main event segment. They were running low on time. Don Callis. Oh God, these guys. Don Callis comes out to announce who the fifth man is in the for the BCC match, uh, and then this brings out Kenny who uh, who confronts him. Um, and uh, we get the Blackpool Combat Club who jumped Kenny Omega for the reveal that the fifth man will be Pac. Remember, remember Pac? Well, he's back. Oh, man. And then they beat him up. They beat up Kenny. They're about to murder him with a chair. And Kenny's defense is a video package.
1: I will say this about the video package. At least they turned all of the lights out in the arena before they showed it. But also, I think they've just been doing that lately, turning all the lights out in the arena.
2: They also almost missed the reveal because they were they were shooting the crowd watching the video screen as opposed to the reveal for the video screen, uh, which is that we will be getting the uh, the uh, Kota Ibushi, the the golden elite uh, at Blood and Guts. Scott, how excited are you?
1: Well, I'm very excited for the match. I think it's going to be really great. I hope they give it a lot of time. I do think uh, in that match, a lot of story needs to be told because there's a few flaws leading up to this story. And so, you know, the, the good thing about all of these guys, which I mean, every guy in this match is like top tier wrestler, right? Um, Is now you can course correct and tell the story you want to tell because the elite already beat. Blackpool Combat Club. Am I right? Um, at I, I mean, at I like thought, Forbidden Door or a few I, weeks ago. You're asking me to uh, remember what
2: happened in AEW. Like you need a brain that's like borderline autistic that can remember everything that happened in wrestling. Speaking of, Mike Lawrence is here. Hey, Mike.
4: Oh, here he is. Did you watch that. He
1: did, right? Okay, but but brother.
4: Yeah, it was that. It was that anarchy in the half-empty arena. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, look. I mean let's backpedal a little bit this reveal of pack right who we do like who it could have made sense in that um you know a major feud with kenny throughout all of aw and all of that good shit right um but when the last few weeks maybe months is all about eddie kingston so you're going okay where's this eddie kingston thing gonna go And then I look the day before, and it's like, oh, Eddie Kingston's going to be doing the G1 all month, dude. He's fighting Sonata on Saturday, and he ain't coming back for a whole fucking month. So you go, well, why did you do this whole Eddie thing, pick-a-side shit, if you're just going to randomly get packed? So you start scratching your head because there's no Eddie Kingston conclusion.
2: I will not stand for your questioning of Tony Khan's impeccable booking skills. I have been nothing but supportive of what this guy has done. And all you do is besmirch his good name, Scott. So while, while Scott tries to gather up his, uh, his prepaid cricket minutes, I want to give some, some thoughts on uh, we're talking, we, we, well, we, we've got a whole show here. We talked about Mabel and Sable and we're talking dynamite. Now, did you catch dynamite?
4: Yeah, I watched a decent amount of it. I didn't, I didn't see it from beginning to end, but I, I watched a lot of it. Yeah.
2: I I mean, I'm guessing the, the high spot you're gonna to touch on is the Max and Adam Cole stuff.
4: Dude, it's it's getting Cole like to work in a way that he hasn't, you know, he's showing more personality in these segments. Um, the in-ring stuff is fun. That's that's how good MJF is. I mean, you really, really have to suspend disbelief when Adam Cole is, you know, going toe-to-toe with Big Bill and Brian Cage. <laughs> That that part's really fucking hard, but um dude that I thought the, the way they did the, the video game promo was brilliant. Yeah. It was the best way to like and even just I, I love when shit is in character, you know, and and Adam Cole saying your stats are high, like that is a great way to get a heel to want to play a video game. And then and then MJF, you know, doing the sappy, I never had a friend <laughs> it's so it's so well done i mean like i and i give him a lot of credit for that only because yeah we know tony khan's not that consistent with character work but but you know mjf is so it, it really worked well um you know uh commander is commander and um talk to me about a pushy brother uh, oh i was gonna say you you could tell he's important because he won't show up in saskatoon
1: <laughs> i mean i
4: feel this is what i feel like and i and i i read scott keith every week he's my like wrestling guy for like 20 years and he was at this show he lives in saskatoon In his review he mentioned how empty the crowd was there you know there was like 2500 people they did buy one uh get one free 15 dollars the afternoon of the show
2: oh jeez
4: yeah man. um, I just think the Canadian tour was a little premature, and i I don't know if they should have gone to as many places as they did, but but either way, I think abushi is is a big enough star that if the debut him doing it on tape is kind of fucking lame. He should have been there. um, but it it still worked. I mean, he's a great fifth guy for you know, a myriad of reasons. Pack, I just can't ever care about because I know he's gonna leave again. It's like, you know. It's like the last uh you know 15 years of my relationship with my dad.
2: Oh, I'm sure I'm sure your dad uh was slightly more over than Pac.
4: Well, you know, there was one time my dad left and then just never came back, but and <laughs> I feel the same way about Pac every time he goes. And <laughs> it is just weird, like Pac and Archer on the same fucking day. It's like it, both those guys. And they always hype them up when they come back, and it's like it's It's weird, and I mean, it's also, look, they did Nick Wayne all the favors in the world, and he just seems like a dude. Like, they didn't, within the match, Look within the presentation in Darby, they boosted him like a star, but within the match itself, I don't know what's different about him than anybody else. You know, um... It just didn't it didn't wow me. Uh I think he's okay. I've seen him on the indies. I think, wow, look at the seventeen year old on the indies is a much better story than look at another guy that's gonna be forgotten in a few months.
2: Also, wow, look at that seventeen year old was what got Pat Patterson fired the first time.
4: <laughs> he All wasn't right. in an uh,
2: That's fair. Well, that was our uh that was dynamite or uh, or dud. We're gonna get to uh, high spot, low spot of the week. Uh, Scott, if you're there and able to uh, talk, we'll we'll start with you. What your high spot and low spot was?
1: I am uh, from it, from inside the Holland Tunnel. So, um, which you sound
2: better little... now for some reason inside a tunnel?
4: Yeah, bro. By the way, Holland, tunnel
2: the
3: Pat...
4: Holland Tunnel is what Pat Patterson named his own asshole. Oh, (laughs) man my high
1: spot is uh okay listen i know no one's really like talking about collision in a way or at least by the time we record we never feel like bringing it up i thought collision um although it did not feel like must watch and i definitely watched it when i felt like watching it when i finally did watch it holy shit what a show ftr versus um Jay White and Juice was so damn good. They are having another match this Saturday, two out of three falls that I'm very excited about. Punk versus Joe was a good time. I really do enjoy Collision uh, just as much as I enjoy Dynamite. But it's summertime, baby, and both uh, don't feel very important to me.
2: What's your low spot, Scott?
1: I think that. I think that it's summertime, and they don't feel very important to me. But this tan's looking good.
2: All right, uh, Mike, what's your high spot, low spot of the week?
4: Okay, my high spot is that Adrian Adonis, Dark Side of the Ring. Um, I thought it was the, the episode of the season so far, and I think one of the best episodes they've done. The first half just feels like your regular Dark Side. I love wrestling, but I love cocaine more. And then it fucking goes crazy. There's like a murderous bear. Um. They steal a dead guy's jacket. It fucking, it just goes off the rails. And, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the quote, but Bret Hart says the most Bret Hart thing that's ever been Bret Harted by Bret. So he wishes that his friend hadn't died so he could wrestle him.
2: Which sounds like, uh, the perfect Bret Hart anecdote.
4: Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's how good he was. He could have wrestled me.
2: I'm, I'm gonna take a shot in the dark that you're, 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 uh, Low spot's gonna be the same as what Dan had mentioned earlier, but we'll we'll see.
4: what, what um what that non-alcoholic beer prices have gone up?
2: No, the the passing of a true legend.
4: Oh, oh, Mantar, yeah. Oh, that's very sad. Um you know, uh yeah, we're losing a lot of our, our heroes. No, um you know what you know what the band moves in AEW?
2: Yeah, we touched on that uh earlier when you when you first sent it over. Uh, the, the read the list, but what is it about it that, that bummed you out? Yeah, sure. Why is it a low
4: spot for you? Uh, did you? Did you guys talk about it? We talked about it when
2: you texted it because we were recording.
4: Yeah, so. okay, so it's my low spot. It's my low spot because that means Moxley's not going to wrestle anymore.
2: Which is a high spot for Renee.
4: <laughs> no, I mean, it's my low spot because, I mean, look, it is a high spot in terms of logic and safety for the wrestlers. It's a low spot in that it takes away some of AEW's identity of being batshit insane and cocaine fueled. You know, like, look, there's a reason that all of these banned things have been banned in WWE for a while. um, And should be banned from most companies. But it was kind of fun turning on TBS after a Big Bang Theory and watching someone bleed in the crowd. (laughs) i mean you know like the one that the one that sticks out to me the most is seizure cells and i agree those fucking in poor taste um but it really it is interesting that in any in any instance where people try to fight for more freedom than the place where they felt restricted there end up being restrictions like like i i think of this in terms of comedies this is so funny to me now as a comedian. That so many people are like, you know, the the main, you know, TV movies are so fucking censored. You can't say anything. And then they'll go on Instagram and put up clips that have censors and bleeps or they'll spell words like sex, S-E-G-G-S, which is way more censored than television has ever
1: been. <laughs> yeah, man. What a
4: great point. And it's so fucking lame. And I, I get it. You know, get that money. But it really is that thing of like any avenue has restrictions, and yeah, they're...
1: I think um, I I think if you actually break down everything from the list, it was like a request each from uh, wrestlers' wives, you know. <laughs> so Re- Renee said no bleeding in the crowd, but that's just because Moxley kept giving girls his number, and you can't not get blood on your hands if Moxley gives you his number. <laughs>
4: One of them was a request from an angry mom, taking drinks or food from guests in the crowd.
1: Oh, yeah, especially after an $8 hot dog? No, thank you.
4: That's fair. And, yeah, uh, that
1: is fair. But, yeah. dude, the seizure thing is just Danielson. I mean, it's very literally Danielson yes. is the only one who has done that. It is so funny that they're just asking him by making a rule to please not do that again.
2: Well, no, keep in <laughs> mind, Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy will be back soon. Because they're out of Canada, so you need to keep the seizures to a minimum.
1: Oh,
4: I guess Matt Hardy
1: can't cut promos anymore.
4: (laughs) That would be yeah. That'd be like if on the list it said like no pizza cutters. It's like just don't hire Nick Gage.
2: (laughs) Oh, poor Nick Gage. Uh, All right, my my high spot of the week, uh, which came from last week's SmackDown, there was the Tribal Court segment, which I will say went way longer than it probably should have but it's actually
4: still happening now it's,
2: it's still happening now um I, I made that joke during raw but uh Roman's performance during that including the fact that he was able to get himself to fake cry on on cue was just fantastic he really is such a next level heel in any of the shit that they give him uh it was awesome. My, my, my low spot. I I have two low spots. Uh, one came from collision where apparently Hobbs has turned babyface and left QT's organization. So he is now turned as many times as big show. My, uh, my other low spot is that, uh, Brian Pillman Jr. Is gone from AEW. Uh, I feel like he had a lot of upside and, uh, I hope he, uh, lands somewhere soon and and continues to refine his uh
4: his craft what does this mean for griff garrison uh who (laughs) another guy that was on tv for a while and then just disappeared i'm pretty sure he's nick wayne
1: (laughs) pillman uh pillman jr uh is a guy who should thrive in nxt you know Oh yeah, I think he
2: would he would do well there. He needs a little bit of the the discipline to to get him where he needs to go, but he's got the pedigree for it and uh I hope he uh I hope he puts it all together cuz he's got a really good look and he's actually pretty damn good in the ring. Can um, We say yeah, that, that
4: his best moment by far was MJF shellacking him in a promo and then getting hit by his aunt.
2: <laughs> yep. Yes, that was uh that was pretty great. But uh all right, we'll uh we'll, we'll do some plugs here uh since everything's on strike. Mike, what do you want to plug?
4: <laughs> I know, man. Now that the attractive people are involved, you'll listen to us. Yes, you. Um,
2: oh, you were the one that posted. I saw it on Facebook. I was dying laughing. I think it was you. There was the picture of the Goonies.
4: Yeah. Yeah, the Goonies is sag and then sloth it's a WGA
3: <laughs> and then I
4: saw a buddy a buddy of mine uh Alex Sherman who listens sometimes he he shared one it was uh the rock it said sag and then Foley WGA in the mankind outfit
3: <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah yeah we're hideous um but uh yeah you know you could you could still watch Bupkiss. um and, and if anything, watch it more and they'll be like, man, we really uh they we got renewed for a season two. we're just waiting for all this stuff to end. But the more you watch, the more they'll want to end it and and have us make more. So watch Bubkis.
2: All right. Scott, what do you want to plug? Uh,
1: my other podcast, Out for Smokes, with Mike Racine and Sean McCarthy, and also uh, this podcast, Patreon. This weekend, we will be reviewing, uh, I think it's the Great American Bash 96. Great American Bash 96. <laughs> yeah.
2: Right. I can't wait. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at creative underscore ISH, and I will be a guest on Nick Hausman's podcast, House of Wrestling, uh, this coming Tuesday. Uh, no idea what we're going to be talking about, but I'm sure it'll be a uh, a grand old time. So uh, unless anybody else has anything they want to add, I'll uh, I'll start wrapping this thing up. Uh, on uh, on behalf of Mike, Scott, Dan, Zach, Logan, and all of us here at WrestleRoast. Best of luck with your future endeavors. And Scott, what do you want to tell everyone to do?
1: Wash your hands.
2: Wash your hands, everybody. Thanks for tuning in.
4: Especially if you bleed in the crowd.